This is Castle Stories, a podcast from Newcastle Castle about the rich history of the North East. Hello, and welcome to Castle Stories. I'm your host, David Silk. In this week's episode, we're going to move on from the medieval period and look at one of the weirdest stories from the history of Newcastle, and there's no shortage of those. This is about the story of the flying donkey. Quite a few of you may already be somewhat familiar with this story, as it's been bandied around quite a bit over the years. It used to feature in the Hidden Stories app, which was produced a long time ago now by Tyne and Weir Archives and Museums, and I wrote a retelling of it for a book of local folktales for the History Press, called Tyne and Weir Folktales for Children. Like a lot of these stories, which have passed from the realms of possibly real stories into local folklore, the story seems to be a little bit different every time you hear it. The most common version that I've heard told is that a man was going to fly from the roof of the keep on a pair of homemade wings. But having reached the top, and looked down from the dizzying 81-foot drop from the roof to the ground below, took fright. At this point, not willing to disappoint the crowds, he strapped his homemade wings to a donkey and chucked it over the side. The results vary depending on who's telling the story, but the donkey's inevitable demise is usually part of the tale as well as the death or injury of one or more onlookers. This is sometimes said to have been an attempt to make the world's first flight. It is, without a doubt, a damned weird story. But is there any truth to it? Well, unlike many previous episodes, where I've been gleefully busting some myths about medieval life, I'm not going to be the party pooper here. The story is, in fact, true. It's mainly the details that have been altered over time, either because of a misunderstanding of certain aspects of Georgian English culture, or simply because that's what storytellers do. If you can't remember the exact details, you make it up. So where does this story come from? Well, as it happens, it comes straight from the newspapers. In the 18th century, newspapers were still in their relative infancy in England, having started in about 1665 with the publication of the London Gazette. By the 1720s, there were a dozen London newspapers and 24 provincial newspapers taking advantage of the easy availability of printing and rising levels of literacy, as well as a hunger for sensational news stories. By modern standards, they were pretty boring, as they didn't yet feature much in the way of pictures. They were largely blocks of texts, but they were hugely popular. They printed a variety of content, and while we do sometimes find that the boundaries between truth and fiction were a little blurry in the world of early journalism, just as now, they mostly reported on local events of note, as well as publishing adverts and other listings. The newspaper in question here was the Newcastle Courant, which was established in 1711. It was the main source of news for people living in or around Newcastle, and covered news from Northumberland, County Durham, Sunderland, North Shields and South Shields, as well as the town itself. It was regarded as being non-party political at least, and was a source of agricultural, shipping and mining information, as well as the results of all of the latest horse races. And there's no doubt that the articles published in the Courant would have been discussed in the many taverns and coffee houses and so on in and around Newcastle in those days. It also carried a range of advertisements for various things, which included local entertainment that was upcoming. Public entertainment in the 18th century was uh, colourful, to say the least. Sandhill, 
on the quayside, was home to Newcastle's Bull Ring, a stone ring that bulls were tethered to while they were attacked by dogs bred specially for the purpose. Right up until 1768, the gentlemen of the town used to provide bulls for the entertainment of the poor, straight up until the time when a spectator was gored to death by the enraged bull and the bull ring was closed. Bull baiting itself was only banned in England in 1835, and it was popularly believed that meat that came from a bull that had been baited in this way, and essentially killed by dogs, would be much tastier. Cockfighting was another popular blood sport, which was played extensively in the various taverns of the Castle Garth area, as well as more widely in Newcastle. The Black Gate actually has an original pair of cockspurs from this period on display that would have been fastened to the cockerel's legs during this incredibly cruel and bloody sport. This was bet on widely throughout all of the taverns in Newcastle at the time, and we even see advertisements for um, particularly big matches. Not all of the entertainment on offer was quite so bloody. The Castle Garth's Moot Hall, which stood roughly on the site of the Vermont Hotel, just across from the current Moot Hall, was used as a theatre when it wasn't being used as a courthouse for the criminal assizes. And numerous playbills exist that show various performances being put on there, which included not only plays, plays in those days a lot of the time were what we would call musicals or even pantomime, featuring broad comedy, lots of songs and things like that, but also various forms of acrobatic performances. One of the most interesting of these, advertised in the Newcastle Courant, is a performance by a woman called Signora Violante, allegedly a famous Italian rope dancer. The closest thing to rope dancing still done today is called slacklining, which is a bit like a tightrope, but, well, slacker. And you'll sometimes see circus performers, sometimes even people practicing it in the park. Signora Violante was a bit of a master of this. She claimed that she could dance a minuet on a rope as neatly as could be danced on the floor, dance on a board laid on a rope without being fastened to it, dance with two boys fastened to her feet, or even dance on the rope with two men, as heavy as any in the town fastened to her feet, dance on the rope with two swords fastened to her feet, or perform the exercise of the colours on the rope. I, I think this is some kind of flag-waving exercise, and I think when it talks about her dancing with things fastened to her feet, she may well have been doing this on her, on her hands, I think as it's an acrobatic thing, she would have been upside down with the stuff balanced on the top of her feet. Signora Violante is notable not only for being an amazing acrobat, but also for being one of the earliest female theatrical impresarios. Later in her life, she owned a theatre in Edinburgh, which was considered incredibly scandalous at the time when this kind of thing was generally uh, reserved for men. We might come back to her in a later episode, but regarding the story of the donkey, she's chiefly interesting, not just as a talented performer in her own right, but because of what her husband did. Signor Violante was a flying man. So, what exactly did a flying man do? Well, contrary to some versions of the story that have been written, Signor Violante was not attempting to get in on powered flight two centuries ahead of the Wright brothers, nor was he daft enough to try out a pair of homemade bird wings by flinging himself from high buildings with only flimsy contraptions of paper, feather or cloth to hold him up. What he was daft enough to do was essentially an early form of ziplining. Flying men, who were often sailors or ex-sailors, would set up some kind of contraption with a rope tied to a high point such as a church spire or a castle tower, 
and a winch attached to the ground to which the other end of the rope was attached. They would then use this rope to fly to the ground, often balancing on some kind of board designed for the purpose. If you look closely in the background of the famous picture Southwark Fair by Hogarth, you can actually see a flying man doing his thing in the background, hurtling down from the spire of a church. Of course, this was an immensely dangerous occupation. A few months before the incident in Newcastle, in April 1733, in Pocklington in North Yorkshire, a flying man named Thomas Pelling leapt from the steeple of the parish church. A rope had been wound round the steeple and attached to a windlass in Market Street near the Star Inn. Straps were inserted into iron rings on the rope and then wound round Thomas's chest and one leg, leaving his other leg and his arms for balance. He did, in fact, wear a pair of homemade wings on this occasion, but they were entirely decorative and not intended to hold him up, simply making him look like some kind of very strange bat. Sadly for Thomas, as he flew down the rope, he realised that it was too slack, so he signalled with his hand for it to be tightened. But unfortunately, his signal was misunderstood by his assistant on the ground. The rope was slackened even further, and he plummeted onto the stone battlements of the church, fractured his skull, and died two days later. Given the danger of this occupation, it's really no wonder that many flying men were down on their luck sailors or steeplejacks with a head for heights who were willing to risk anything for a good payday. Others, though, were professional acrobats, and actually they are often lumped in together at the time with rope dancers, um, meaning that the famous violantes might well both have been trained as acrobats, rope dancers, and flying folk together. It's tempting, in fact, to think that Newcastle's flying man might, in fact, have been Signora Violante's husband himself, since his wife was in the area at the time. She was frequently performing in and around Newcastle in the years around 1733, which is when the Courant says this happened. The Courant itself, sadly, does not name him at all. In fact, for such a bizarre story, the actual newspaper article from December 1733 is remarkably short and terse, almost as if this sort of thing were a daily occurrence in Georgian Newcastle. I'll read it to you in full. It says, Seven night, the flying man flew from the top of the castle into Bailey Gate, and after that he made an ass fly down, by which several accidents happened, through the carelessness of people not getting out of the way, though a very great and timely warning was given, for the weights tied to the ass's legs knocked down several, bruised others in a violent manner, and killed a girl on the spot. So the ass, uh, the donkey in this story, didn't actually have wings on on this occasion, and it wasn't simply lobbed from the top of the castle. Presumably, having somehow persuaded the poor creature to get to the top of the castle keep, which strikes me as uh, quite a job in itself, the flying man then attached the beast to the rope that he had previously used. We should note, in the newspaper account, unlike in most versions of the story, the flying man does not chicken out. He actually has done the stunt himself first, and then afterwards throws the donkey down. So he presumably attached it to the rope and then hurled it from the roof. It's also interesting that the newspaper article says nothing about the eventual fate of the donkey, which I like to think does suggest that the animal survived its traumatic first flight, unlike one of the poor onlookers. It's also described as having had weights attached to its legs, 
Presumably this was to try and keep it the right way up as it went down the rope and stop its legs flailing around quite so much. Although, in fact, they seem to have had the opposite effect and presumably just gave a bit more heft to the donkey's legs when it crashed into the crowd of people. It's interesting to note there we have accounts of several injuries, people bruised in a violent manner and knocked down, and a girl, a, a young girl, killed on the spot. So rather a grim story, really, in actual fact, but we do have confirmation that there was a fatality from that. It's also interesting, finally, I think, to note the um, lax attitude to health and safety, shall we say, that seems to have prevailed here. The newspaper is actually very clear in that article where the blame for this tragic incident lies. And it isn't with the perfectly rational and responsible man hurling a farm animal from the top of an 81-foot castle tower into a crowd of people below. Instead, the crowd of people themselves are blamed for not getting out of the way of the plummeting donkey quickly enough. Perhaps in a world in which it was considered normal to watch two chickens fighting to the death, this sort of thing didn't seem quite so out of the ordinary. But anyway, there it is. The true story of the flying donkey of Old Newcastle Town and the legendary Flying Man. Castle Stories is a Newcastle Castle production. This week's host was David Silk. You can find out more about Castle Stories and about Newcastle Castle at newcastlecastle.co.uk.